One of the basic human needs aside from food, water, sense of belonging, being part of a tribe is shelter, right? And another way to look at it is some of the most stressful events in your life are death, divorce, and moving. So you're dealing with like a high stress situation. And I think the lease management process, to be fair, not only to the owners, to the prospective residents and your team, it needs to be efficient. It needs to be organized and systematized. I just want to welcome all of you for being here. We are here to talk about lease management, and we're going to have a free-flowing discussion with a few experts in the industry. I'm super excited to hear their takes, but also want to hear from you all. To kick us off, if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Laura Mack. I'm the Triple Win Coordinator here at Second Nature, and delighted to welcome you to today's discussion on mastering lease management. In the next hour, we will delve into the insights and core best practices recommended by our panel. But before we uh, begin, I want to emphasize what drives the triple win. Um, so we're all about stacking triple wins. The hot take here, and I think a lot of you probably agree, is that property management is not a Tom and Jerry win-lose game like it was in the past. It's about creating win-win-win situations. So when we talk about stacking triple wins, we are referring to the decisions and processes that create wins for your residents, your investors, and your team. So this panel over the next 60 minutes is going to explore the triple win of lease management. And I'll invite you to keep, uh, keep in mind the mutually beneficial ecosystem where residents are satisfied, investors thrive, and the team also excels. So we're going to unlock the potential for triple wins as we master lease management together. So now, without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce our multi-talented moderator for today's discussion. She has extensive experience in leasing and property management. She is the Director of Leasing and Property Management at JWB Property Management out of Florida. They oversee uh, 5, 000, over 5,600 doors and uh, it's my pleasure to hand it over virtually to Melissa Gillespie, who will be guiding us through this insightful conversation on mastering lease management. Melissa, Thanks. over to you. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. Thank you. And we're so excited to be here with all of you today. Um, I am pumped about the two panelists we have joining us who are going to be a wealth of knowledge. So I'd love to take a few moments, just introduce them to you um, before we hop into kind of what we're trying to accomplish today, what topics we really want to make sure we cover. First joining us is Kristen Lee. She works for uh, One Focus Property Management. This is a property management company in Pennsylvania. They manage about 600 doors. She is a leasing agent for their team, a stellar one at that. It has been so fun talking with her, preparing for this to get to know her and really see the passion that she has about the leasing process. And so I know she's going to bring lots of good nuggets to us today as we talk. And then Joining us additionally is David. He is the owner and a real estate broker for Pathway Properties. They are a property management company out of Utah. He has a wealth of knowledge and experience. Um, he has been in the real estate industry for many, many years, all the way dating back to commercial real estate at the beginning he was sharing when we first um, started talking about this. And he does continue in education instruction. So I am pumped to be able to learn from both of these individuals. And obviously we want to share as much as we can with each of you so that we can all grow our businesses. And so this is an opportunity for us to share and give some of our knowledge. So really where we'd like to start this, this afternoon together is talking through, you know, the, the concept that lease management really is um, so critical to each of our businesses. And when you think about housing, it's really a basic human need. Um, so there's this importance of the human experience. Obviously, we lean on automation and technology to support us. But I think that as things have changed in our industry, and really the generation of renters has changed, 
so must our processes evolve in order to meet the needs of the people that we serve. And we want to impact our local communities. And so um, we want to talk about some of those changes we've seen in the industry and how they've impacted leasing. And so we'll start from a high level talking about just general approaches to lease management, and then we'll narrow it all the way down to nitty gritty. Let's talk KPIs, um, some takeaways that each of you can have in your own business. And that's our goal is that everyone walks away with one to two things where the light bulb went off and you were like, that is something I'm going to go do tomorrow in my business to make me more successful. So welcome. We're super excited to have you. And I figure let's just jump right in. Y'all ready? Let's do it. We're going to start with question number one. What guiding principles do you follow in your lease management approach? And how do these principles shape your decision-making when it comes to leasing? I think what I'm looking for is your perspective on this process and why it is so important. David, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'd be honored. And, and thank you for the wonderful introduction, Melissa. And I'm super excited and feel privileged to be part of just such an awesome panel. And uh, thank you everyone for attending. So lease management is uh, with Pathway Properties and in my career has always been the anchor, uh, the foundation for property management. Um, and again, going macro, and then we'll kind of narrow it down. And Melissa, you stated it perfectly. One of the basic human needs, aside from food, water, sense of belonging, being part of a tribe is shelter, right? And another way to look at it is some of the most stressful events in your life are death, divorce, and moving. So you're dealing with like a high stress situation. And I think the lease management process to be fair, not only to the owners, to the prospective residents and your team, it needs to be efficient. It needs to be organized and systematized. I think the underlying tenants, they should be based on industry best practices and, and compliance with fair housing law. I mean, that, that's a non-negotiable as we all know. And, and I love second nature and the concept of triple win. If you're basing your leasing management process, your leasing process on the triple win philosophy, you're matching a resident with their home. You're helping them out. They're getting shelter. They're happy. They're comfortable if you do it right. It's minimizing stress. You're stabilizing the property or the asset, however you want to phrase it. And you're securing income for the owner. And the win for your team and your company is you have a satisfied resident. You have a satisfied owner. You're building goodwill for your business from these positive interactions. It feels like when just getting a, a unit or door occupied. And the other bonus is you can collect management fees from an occupied unit. So that's uh, those are my thoughts on it. I love that. I love what you talked about as it relates to just the importance of meeting the, the need of, of housing. I just, I feel like that is really like at the heart of what we do um, and why this is such an important business to be in. Kristen, what do you want to add? What do you have to share? On my side of it, um, in my position, the guiding principles are, um, you know, we are in an area that does not have new developments. There is a lack of housing for people because there's not new buildings going up. There's not people just breaking ground on these, you know, large multi-units, you know, so for me and my position, a guiding principle is helping qualified tenants find a place that is safe. It's affordable and it's something that they can be proud of, you know, and also on the other side of it is also just making sure that I, on my end, am doing my due diligence to our clients. So they're also getting the return on that as well. You know, so really it just comes down to it, for lack of a better way to explain it, I'm a people pleaser, you know, I'm pleasing the clients, I'm pleasing, you know, the prospective tenants, and I'm adding that personal touch in there to hopefully give everyone involved an experience that's worthwhile and it makes them come back to us and it makes them continue business with us and just, you know, just adds value in everybody's life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I, um, I think for us, it's kind of encompasses everything you guys have said, but it's really about 
finding a way to reach our local communities. We're each in a local, typically in a local market, right? There's some big, huge companies out there that serve many markets or maybe are further from their local communities. But I think that we have the opportunity to really make a difference in people's lives. I think what you said, Kristen, about people feeling proud to be a renter, that is at the heart of what I think has changed in this industry is it's gone from, you know, landlord tenant, which sounds so just ugh, to residents. They're real people. They're, they're people who just are just like you and I that need housing and want to feel good about where they're living and want to feel like proud to invite their friends and family over and all of those things. I guess you guys, why don't you guys start talking a little bit about, you know, what that looks like, what you guys have seen as far as changes in who the renter is today on a broad scale versus what it was however many years ago and how that has impacted the way that you approach business. What do you guys see? I can take this one off. Um, And it's mainly because I don't have a lot of experience um, in leasing. So when I got my license, um, it was literally the week before COVID shut the world down. I came into the office with my license in hand. And one week later, the government said, you can't do this anymore. So for me, I came into a market where it was instant gratification. You know, people want that instantaneous, like, why can't you give this to me right now? The government's giving me money. Why can't I have this apartment right now? Um, You know, so we had to kind of overcome those hurdles and set different expectations for people. It definitely, you know, it, it, I haven't experienced anything different. Um, You know, that, that COVID market, we've just been kind of riding that wave all the way through. So as far as how people were before, I just, I guess I just kind of came into this fast and furious market and have just made the best of it for lack of a better way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, David? What have you seen? What do you feel like has changed and what kind of, I guess the the difference in the renter really, like their expectations, kind of what Kirsten was saying about instant gratification and that sort of thing. What do you see? I, I think Kristen summarized it perfectly. So that term contactless, like that you get when you DoorDash and all that other stuff, it's like, that's the new norm. The consumer, they're, they're expecting a thorough, interactive, high quality experience online content, right? We want quality content like what we're doing here, which is great. A couple other little notes, the remote work, it's increased migration to different markets in different states. And you can read in all those John Burns reports and stuff. And so one interesting side effect of that is like, I feel like time zones have become blurred, right? Like someone on the East coast is moving to the West coast and they want that responsiveness, you know, outside of normal Monday through Friday, uh, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. business hours on inquiries for vacant properties. And I think, and I think that's the new norm. And uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It, it causes people to up their game and, and, and be better. And I think it benefits the property management ecosystem. Yeah. You mentioned John Burns and just total side note, but he's and that all of the things that they put together as far as market statistics, such a great resource. So if you aren't currently subscribing to John Burns and the information they put out, it is so helpful about rent rates. And honestly, just like new construction growth and different things like that, it's a really, really good, good resource. So I'm glad you said that. Okay. Let's get a little more specific. Why don't you guys talk to us about what do you think the most time consuming activities are? in the lease management process, how have you worked to automate them? So what takes up all the time? What sucks you dry and is maybe the monotonous thing or the thing that is just harder? And then how how do you use automation? Do you, do you not? Why do you not? Or do you tell us all the things who wants to kick us off? Happy to do this one. We can do a little ham and egg back and forth, Kristen, if you're right with it. So there's one specific part of the leasing management process, I think takes the most time and that's post property tour and getting the application complete. Everything else is, is pretty automated. Showings can be done. Self-showings. We do self-showings. We do a mix. We use a tenant turner and a code box. And then leases are, uh, 
put in, they're automated through we use Buildium as our, as our software suite. Uh, but I feel like getting the person over the hump or closing the deal or whatever you want to call it seems to be the, the, you know, the, the longest time period. And, and it, that requires human touch and, and follow up. I mean, there's great different, you know, programs or parts of the tech stack, like Findigs and some others that will send automatic email reminders and follow ups. But uh, going back to that human element, there's, there's a sense of maybe nervousness or apprehension or even anxiety prior to signing that lease. That's a big commitment. So being, I got a little off the track here, but it, it, that's the longest, uh, it, it takes the most amount of time and you got to be present and, and talk to your prospective residents to get them over the hop. So let me ask you a quick follow-up on that, David, I guess, how do you structure your team for that piece of the process? Who in your office is handling that piece of the process? Is it a virtual assistant? Is it a leasing agent? Is it an admin? I guess, tell us a little bit about the structure of your team and how you approach that. Because you mentioned it's that's a piece where you think that human touch is really important. So it can't just be a software we rely on. So tell us how you structure your team. No, no. Great question. So um, for that specific part of the process, it's going to be the assistant property manager. And what she'll do is she'll track the application and it's where it's at in the process and, and building them. And when we see like a less, like a 24 hour delay on progression or next steps, she'll reach out and she'll ask, Hey, we, or she'll say, we, first of all, we appreciate what, you know, you view in the property. It's amazing. We'd, we'd love to work with you. What can we do to help you, you know, move on to next steps or any questions? Can we walk you through anything? And she can typically, typically handle it. I still get involved. I've been doing this for a long time. I like being involved in the nitty gritty. So I'll also be reaching out too. And it's, we want to do what's, you know, we're fiduciary to the owners, investors, and we want to get the spaces occupied. So it'll be a collaborative effort. And as we grow and scale, We'll probably have a more dedicated team to to that piece, but uh, that's it. an important piece. Yep. Cool. I would love to like continue on with this because like our processes are definitely different than yours. Yeah. So we have one dedicated person here at the company that does our applications, and the reason why we do that is because it eliminates any kind of discrimination. She is a virtual assistant. She does not meet with people in person. So it eliminates her having a personal opinion while she's scoring the application. She has contact with them via email and things like that. Um, Up until they apply, we have a very transparent website. Um, Our lease is on there. So people can actually read the lease before they even come to us. Our application standards are listed on the application. And when I'm with them in person or I'm making a phone call because they've done a self-guided tour, I'm explaining to them what the criteria is because ultimately, if they're asking me questions that I think that would not allow them to meet our criteria, I'm making sure that they understand like our criteria is firm. Every single applicant goes through the same criteria and same processes and we don't defer from that. We don't take like your personal situation into account. You know, it's very black and white. So I don't score applications. I, um, I also don't approve leases. Um, And it's mainly because I'm commissioned so I can push my leases through all day. I was just going to say, that's why we don't do it because our agents. I I don't have my hands (laughs) in every part of the process. I'm in the beginning. I'm the face you see in the beginning. I'm the face that welcomes you in, makes you love the place explains our criteria. Then it goes on to our virtual assistant, Nika, who by the way, is amazing. I cannot speak enough good things about her. Um, I wish she would just move to us so we could see her (laughs) all the time. That's how much we love her. And then it goes over to my supervisor. And then when my supervisor approves it, I'm the one that sends the lease out. Um, And we also use a, 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 process for every single that thing that we do. So our process to approve an applicant is in something called process street, and it builds out every single little detail. So if we follow it from start to finish, and we follow our practices from start to finish, there's not a point where anyone can say, we didn't approve me because of this. Mm-hmm. We didn't approve you because you didn't meet our criteria. And really, that's what it comes to. So when I'm adding that personal touch, 
it's the personal touch that they're going to get. But when it comes to the rest of it, it's, it's a very automated process, you know, and it's very like, it can be very impersonal. So when I'm doing that and I'm making that impression on them, it's so important to Mm -hmm. be positive and create this like sense of home and comfort with them because the rest of it, it's, it's hard, you know, and it's a lot for them to get through our application. I like to tell people, I'm like, it's meaty, you know, and we're going to ask you for every single piece of information and we're going to judge you on that. And then we're going to let you know if you're approved. So, you know, as, as aggressive as that can sound, it's up to me to basically say, listen, we know it's a lot, but it's a lot because it's worth it. Yeah. Warm. You, you're the warm, you warm it up. You're like, I think we are process pretty similar to yours, Kristen, where our leasing agents are really the salespeople. They are the face. They are the personality. They're the ones who can draw people in and get people to open up and tell them what they're really looking for. Um, And we also have a different teammate. She's an admin on our team. So it's not a virtual teammate or a remote teammate, but it is a completely separate person who is not in any way compensated for the approval of, of an application to make sure that really what you said, that kind of non-biased third-party person who there's no skin in the game for them. They just are doing the right thing and following that step-by-step. So I think that's really um, cool. And I guess Process Street, tell us, is that is that like an add-on? Is that something you pay additionally for some sort of subscription? How does that work? I honestly, I don't know what the cost associated with it is. Okay. It was something that Jennifer Rollins had come across And she's like, this new company does these processes. And naturally we're like, great. (laughs) What is going to change? Because we are a jump first, ask questions later. Like if it's good, Jen says, let's do it. And we do that day sometimes. Um, But honestly, it's to a benefit because like she tracks all of this stuff. And like when she says, this is an idea we're going to take on and it's a little hairy, scary. It usually means that it's a great idea. Um, And honestly, Process Street builds out processes. We have everything from the death of a tenant all the way down to onboarding new employees. It is literally every single thing. If something were to happen, this is like a hit by a bus situation. Mm -hmm. If our managers were in an accident and they were all no longer with us, the company could still go on because we know how to do it. All these processes are out there as a contingency to make sure that the company can still carry on with business the next day. Yeah. David wrote SOPs for the win and I cannot like second, third, I third that motion. I love love a process because there's something about standardization. Like you can customize and meet people where they're at, but there has to be some level of like, what is the standard you are setting? Because ultimately you want to treat people the same. And I think with leasing specifically, we are obligated to. And so I just think that's all you, everything you guys shared spot on. All right, let's move forward. Cause I know that we've probably got, I don't know, 25, four minutes or so. And we have a few more things I really want to make sure we talk about. Um, okay. Kristen, you're a leasing agent, your boots on the ground. I'm sure you face challenges every single day. So when you are facing challenges in leasing, how do you attack those? How do you address them? What do you think is the most important thing when you're kind of taking on challenges when it comes to leasing? Well, a typical response to this for a property manager is what's wrong with the property? What are we not seeing? What are we not doing? What hurdles are we not overcoming to make sure this is desirable? I Just think that what you should do is take a critical look at your marketing. What does it look like? Are your pictures, you know, fantastic? You know, is it grainy dark pictures? You know, are these clear pictures of each room? How is it presented in in, in just the pictures? I get comments all the time from owners, from tenants. They love that you can get a feel of the property from our ads just from the pictures. But then we have to go a little bit further. Video is such a powerful tool. We all know this. We're here on video today. We need to do better for video marketing. I get in front of a camera with a tripod. I introduce myself. I talk about the company that I'm from. I tell them what the address is. I give them a whole walkthrough tour. I do an outro so they know what our website is. They know, you know, how to apply 
They know how to book a tour. That personal touch right there helps get people in the door. It's not catfishing someone into believing that a property is any more than what it actually is because they're going to see it. Um, you know, it's really presenting a property for what it is in the best way possible. Yeah. I think the marketing piece is for sure a part of that. One thing I'll add is something we do when, you know, maybe a property isn't moving as quickly as we would have thought or hoped. And it's, you know, been on the market for an extended period of time. We actually have an in-house inspector. We call him our quality control coordinator, QCC, and he's a field teammate and he goes out and visits our available homes and he sends feedback. So kind of to your point where you're saying, Hey, it's not only the property, it's the marketing. I think another thing that is not the whole picture for sure. Um, but is another piece of it is that property. And like, how is it showing? Did we skip out on something on the property turn where really maybe the owner shouldn't have denied that line item on the scope of work and they should have done that extra painting or whatever. And so we actually have a teammate that is just to the benefit of the owner, to the benefit of the future resident that's saying, Hey, let's take a close look at the property. Is it, let's look at from a rentability standpoint, a safety um, standpoint. Does it meet our expectations? We also have what's called our JWB livability standards. And really what that means is does this home meet our company standards? And if it doesn't, then we need to make sure we're addressing those things. And so I think that those are some additional things I might add is just spending the time. Those That's not wasted resource. Because I think the more that you invest on the front end in the marketing and in making sure that property is showing amazing, but also is a safe representation of your brand and your company, um, you're going to get that back with a resident who is proud of the place, going to take care of it um, and lead to a hopefully long-term resident. So um, what about you, David challenges? What do you, how do you tackle them? I'm sure you could tell us some fun stories about (laughs) different things you've seen over the years. Tell us what you, what you do when you're facing some challenges. Absolutely. Well, I, I think Kristen and Melissa, you said it perfectly. Marketing is key. There's another way to another consideration. So if you're getting a lot of tours and views and visits to the property, you want to follow up and have your leasing agent, your assistant property manager, or whomever reach out to those prospective residents that haven't moved forward and ask them, what did you see? What do you have any feedback on the property? And we're very direct. It'll help us market the property better. Like, oh, it smelled or, oh, this was broken or paint was faded or, you know, there's one around the corner for less. And that brings up the next point is price point. And, you know, that's a a big determinant. And we're dealing in commodities for the most part with with housing, uh, especially if you're in apartments. Houses, you know, for the most part, yes, too. So you need to understand where's your price at? Is it reflective of market? Before we engage with an owner prior to a vacancy, we actually put together a spreadsheet. It's almost like a uh, rental analysis appraisal and we'll have subject properties, we'll have adjustments and we'll, we'll make a recommendation. So that, that's an important piece. And if we're having trouble with the property, we're reaching out to the other property managers or owners with the competitive product in that market. And we're asking them, Hey, what, what, what's the action here? What are you, what are you seeing? Are you, are people coming through? Are they not? Is your price holding up? What, and that gives us, it's really digging in, you know? So if you're getting engagement, but you're not getting leases, then, then that's another way to do it. So So I do have a follow-up on that just really quickly. So we have what's called a 10 day rule. If it's on the market for 10 days and we haven't gotten an application, we drop the rent. Um, it's an expectation that we set with the owners when we put the property on the market, whether it's a new owner that we're onboarding or yeah. whether it's an owner that's been with us for years and years and years, 10 days, no activity. Here's what we have to do. Um, and, and we get them around the hurdle. Now we have some that just, they absolutely will not, you know, and it, we have to pose the question, is it better to take less rent or is it better to just leave your property vacant? And nine times out of 10, there's always that one, but nine times out of 10, (laughs) they just want to get the rent. Because once we get someone in there and they're approved applicant, we can work 
to make that rent the ideal rent, you know, through their tenancy or, you know, whatever, just the ways that you need to, you know, when you're renewing their lease and things like that. But, you know, that 10 day rule is. Yeah, we have something similar, Kristen. And one thing that's cool is we have rent escalations built into our lease agreements. And so even if we have to make a rent reduction while it's on the market in order to really drive in more leads and get it to move, um, we're then building in an escalation so that hopefully by the end of that lease term, we sign long-term leases, two and three year agreements. By the end of that third year, we have increased it enough to where we're not so far off from market rent where we may have to, you know, have a huge jump for the renewal rate or whatever. So I think the the pricing is really, oh, you guys both made that great point. The other thing, David, I love that you said was just the follow-up on the feedback. I think, especially when it's high volume, it's easy to get into a routine where we're just reaching out so, or answering calls of the people coming to us and like the easy, low-lying fruit, we like to call it. But the reality is every lead and every inquiry is a person who needs a home. And so if we are not able to rent that home, there are people that are reaching out to us all the dang time, right? And we're like, we need to call those people back. We need to follow up with them. We need to get that feedback. Um, And then one thing we also do in our department meeting with our leasing team every week is we have a structure for them to talk through any feedback they received from showings the previous week. So if there was something glaring that a prospect said, hey, you know, maybe there's dead bugs all over the floor. Well, that's not going to be very appealing to someone. And we're certainly not going to get them to move into that. Then we can say, oh, man, let's open a work order. Let's get that cleaned up. Let's make sure we order pest control, whatever. Right. And so I think you get to make changes and actually improve when you ask for the feedback. So I loved both of what you guys shared. So great. Um, okay. Let's see. I guess talk about changes you've seen in the recent years. To me, I think COVID really forced the um, use of technology because for so long we weren't able to show properties in person anymore. And I know so many companies that were showing properties in person before COVID and now post COVID self-showing is this concept that we all talk about almost every company I've ever spoken with at this point does some level of self-showing. So tell us a little bit about what has changed, how you utilize self-showings when you don't use self-showings, if ever, and what you think, just, I guess, what is it, how has COVID maybe impacted each of you in your businesses as it pertains to leasing? I know, Kristen, you mentioned like, that's all you've known. So that's kind of nice. Like, you know, have just been able to like start from scratch and run with it. But I know for us, it forced a lot of change for our company that we were a little, I guess, apprehensive about initially, but it has been so good. Like it's been some of the best changes came from COVID, which was obviously not a good situation, but I think what came from it has been really great. So David or Kristen, anything that stands out to you as something you'd really want to share with the group? I, when, when they shut everything down, um, they handed me a cell phone because we don't give out our personal cell phones. Um, and they said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do FaceTime. Um, and you're going to do Google duo and you are going to drive from your house out to the properties when you have tours booked and you're going to do a phone call with them and you're going to show it to them in essence a marketing video customized for each person who wants to see the property um a big hurdle that i found was you know people just being hesitant to move forward um but wanting to because they had the flexibility to move to another state so they could move somewhere that was desirable for them um and they couldn't be there so they worried about like how do i sign a lease how do i do this how do i do this luckily Our company was already working on one going paperless. Um, We already were doing digital lease signings, you know, doing those tours, you know, Jen Rulins really just like hit the nail on the head and was like, Hey, like we're already heading in this direction. We had already been talking about self-guided tours before COVID happened, you know? So for us, it was just like, okay, so I guess we just have to push the narrative to like actual flourishing now. And so like, 
hurdles that other companies were experiencing, not that it wasn't a hurdle for us. It was just less of a hurdle because we were already ready to yeah. move in that direction as a company. Yeah. It just forced the hand. That's what yeah. happened to us. It's like we were yeah. tiptoeing and like, let's just explore this. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, no let's do it. <laughs> and it forced us to just lean in and embrace it. So I think that's awesome. Kristen I th- and, and Melissa, I think you nailed it. It just accelerated that, that change that was inevitable. Uh, people were starting to dip their toes in the water with video tours and, and better pictures and, and better online presence. And it, it just, it forced that change. One of the, the, the bigger pieces, and I'm not sure, I think it was moving this way. Maybe COVID also accelerated. This is, I think the pace of the leasing process has increased as far as like the speed we're dealing with a more informed uh, consumer. They want more information up front. They want it quickly and they want to make a quicker decision. There's a I feel like it just, the, the pace is faster. The other piece that I actually like is there's a more consistent customer service experience across the industry. Everyone's voice is amplified, especially the consumer, their vote counts, right? Mm. You know, Yelp, Google reviews, et cetera. They can really hurt or help your company's brand. So we, we always hope that people are, are enhanced, you know, improving on customer service for the right reasons, not just the CYA, but, you know, maybe it's a little bit of both. And, but and I think people seem to want to do the right thing. Um, and there's a lot more comfort with tech, contactless interactions, uh, AI. And I think there are, and Kristen said it perfectly with her company. And that's been my experience with mine and my, my uh, previous companies is that we're going to adopt this technology and we're going to, we're going after it and we'll, we'll pick up the pieces after as long as it doesn't affect a critical function. So um, I think that's another piece. I, I wonder if there's any, have you guys seen any maybe unintended consequence though with self-showings or the reliance on kind of technology to let people in and technology to manage the beginning part of that process? I know for us, we have, and we've had to really focus on our sales acumen because for us, leasing agents have had always been sales people. Um, where they control from the time that person calls in all the way through to them renting, they controlled that process and they were kind of the power was in their hands. And then when we brought on, we used Stromojo and started using that to schedule our showings. It almost became a crutch of like, oh, just send people to the website and have them schedule. And so we kind of got into some bad habits that we had to unwind and work through do you, have you guys seen any of that? And I guess, tell us about how you guys have handled that. Ultimately for us, when it comes to it, and like I said, my experience is so limited. So I didn't have the previous experience with having to be like the showman. I mean, I'm still the showman. I'm just in a different you know, capacity as to what it was before. We still direct people directly to the website. And a lot of it comes to, we need them to answer those prequal questions We need them to upload an identification. Um, There are workarounds to that. You know, there are like, hey, I'm just not technologically inept at all. And we get that. Um, So they have to come to the office. You know, they'll give us a copy of their ID. And, you know, how I explain it to people is it's a safety measure. It's a safety for you. It's a safety for me. They don't know who I'm with and people don't know who you're with. You know, so ultimately, everybody needs to feel safe and secure with where they are. Um, so without your ID, I can't do that. And you can't do that because you don't know who I am, you know, and, and it really helps people kind of understand not everybody gets over the hurdle, but usually we can talk them through it. Um, and we want them to get on board right from the beginning because they have to understand we don't do paper applications. You know, we don't do a a paper lease. Will we do a paper lease? Yes. There are instances where we have to, but if we can get them on board with starting to get comfortable with the technology right from the beginning, it helps eliminate hurdles that they have getting through the process and getting Mm -hmm. them into the place that they want to call home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. David, what about you? I I think that term crutch uh, with, with, you know, show mojo, which I think is a great, you know, a great company, great system, but to right. just set it and forget it is, is been a challenge. And I've seen that with, you know, some of the 
product that we manage our homes, we're competing with large institutional owner operators. I'm not going to say any names, but um, we're able to get around them and, and have better leasing results by filling in that void where the human touch, the phone call comes in, the communication, alleviating the, those those fears and concerns. And and I love what Kristen said earlier. It, it it's objective, it's systematized. We're treating everyone the same in accordance with fair housing law, but we're there to be a voice and to answer questions they have and to help them. And mm-hmm. when you're not to get too philosophical here, but when you're like in a heightened emotional state, you're hypersensitive to to stimulus and you feel uneasy. And if you're on your phone or, or typing something and, and not having that human interaction, your, your decision-making, it's probably harder to make a decision. But if you hear a voice and someone's empathetic, again, being objective, like we're not, you know, customizing the experience for someone different than we would another person, but saying, here, we hear you. This is how it's done. We'll walk you through it. And we're able to, I guess, overcome those challenges uh, with, with automation. Yeah. I love, I love that. Okay, we are five minutes out from Q&A. Looks like we may have a couple questions for uh, you guys at the very end. But I want to, before we wrap, my favorite topic ever (laughs) is KPIs. I think they're so important to our businesses and just using data to make decisions, facts, not feelings. I say that a lot because, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, I just feel like da, 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 da. But the reality is it could be something totally different. So we lean heavily on data in our office. And I think it's really important as a professional property manager that we all have something that kind of tracks and measures how we're doing compared to the industry, our peers, ourselves, benchmarking even just against ourselves year over year. So tell me your favorite leasing KPI and or what are some of the things you track in your office that your office finds very important to kind of the overall leasing process? Who wants to start? You want me the to data start? that I track <laughs> is very specific to what I do. How many in-person showings? How many self-guided showings? How many applications for my in-person did we collect? How many for self-showings? We track how many units were killed because that's, we call it the kill board because, you know, you got to slice and dice it off of there. It's not on the market anymore. We also (laughs) track how many properties there are on the market. There's target goals for me, but because my position is so subjective to leading the horse to water and hoping that they might take a drink, like just really fingers crossed. A lot of the data is mostly just to keep eyes on like what I'm doing and like how the progress is and like how it changes with the seasons and things so we can prepare our owners. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not anything that really is like, well, you're getting reprimanded because you had no applications come in, you know, so it's not necessarily driven by, you know, I need a specific result. It's just transparency on where I'm at week to week. Mm -hmm. So we know like next year I can look back at this data and go, Hey, this was like a pretty slow time. So let's think about our rents and like, let's make some adjustments and get people prepared for different rent rates than we were at last year, which is exactly what we did because last year it was hot. You know, we couldn't keep places on the market for more than a week. And now, you know, we have places that have been on the markets for 60 plus days. You know, it's just very subjective and it helps us make decisions based on that data. Um, So, yeah, I'm at with it. Yeah, I think what you said is is good. We track conversion from every stage. So like from lead to showing scheduled, from showing scheduled to showing completed, showing completed to application submitted, application submitted, application approved. And it's really conversions to benchmark against ourselves and understand if there's any cyclicality really to leasing, which I think there is. It's one driven by the market to some extent. And then I think there's just natural cyclicality in a calendar year, regardless of the market. I think tax returns are a moment in time where we typically see a big uptick, right? In volume. And then, you know, Christmas or whatever, the holidays, people are maybe are less apt to be moving because they want to be able to be settled into their place to, you know, celebrate with friends and family. So I think those, those metrics 
to say like, what's in our pipeline at any point, And then how are we converting from each to the next is really, really important. Okay, David, what about you? What's your favorite? I My favorite is kind of one of those weird guys. I like seeing like the amount of clicks and engagement we get okay. with our ads. That's my favorite. Okay. You know, I just like, it's kind of interesting to see. How do you, you know, track like that? that? Little status bar. Is, how do you Tenant Turner. It? We, we okay. use Tenant Turner. And then okay. uh, we use other analytics if we focus post on Facebook marketplace and we okay. uh, have something proprietary that pulls it all together. Um, and then g- generally, you know, KPIs that I've seen tracked and that we track are vacancy period, uh, rent growth from the prior tendency. Yeah. Uh, it's a good one. Applica- application count, like y'all mentioned, approved, denied. Uh, we talked about prospect feedback of the units, some showings, unit viewings. And then I like the seasonality. I thought that was great, Kristen and Melissa. It's like, not only the time of year, but like, are they looking more on the weekend, in the evening, uh, on a Wednesday? And then I and I love the the pipeline tracking. I think that's super critical. And I and I like tracking the time from viewing to actually application submittal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's a that's a big one. And then also from application submittal to turnover and, and at least being signed and moving. So, yeah, cool. Can I share my favorite? We call it market to move in. And so from the time a home hits the market to the time someone moves in sounds like so basic, but I think it really is the best indicator of your actual leasing efforts where to us, if it's market to deposit, we do things a little different. We take a deposit before we move somebody in. So like then you're missing the timeline from deposit to move in. So I really like that metric because I think it's the signal to the client um, of how well we're performing to get their home back occupied. And then I also really love average lease term. So because we do long-term leases, we offer 24 and 36 month leases. We will occasionally um, have a client who maybe only wants to do a 12 month lease or something. And so really to measure, are we able to lock people in for the longest lease term available because to us, a long-term lease is that security for the client. Um, And it also locks in rent rates for the resident. So kind of to the triple win concept, the resident wins because they're not subject to potential rent increase, significant rent increase based on the market every single year. It's great for the client because they have a little more assurance of long-term occupancy And then we win because we hit our goals and we all love to hit our goals. So, well, cool. Okay. Well, let's wrap there. And Laura, what you got for us? Anything from the chat? Yeah, I will. um, Let me go ahead and bring myself up with you guys. I can see you. So I thought it might be fun. We can call, fix my hair. We can call for a couple more questions. Um, If anyone wants to come up live and talk to the panel, uh, this is the part where it's, you know, it's interactive. If you guys have anything to add, I see Tenant Turner is actually on the call. So that might oh, be kind of fun. Uh, if he wants to unmute, I see he's on the phone, but uh, we got Tim on the call. So if, if anyone wants to chime in and ask a question, I know Spencer, um, he dropped a question in the chat earlier. So I'll go ahead and ask that to the panel. And then I think we might have time to show a fun video of one of Kristen's uh, marketing videos here. So um, so first, but uh, Spencer asked, what sort of follow-up afterwards do you do? For instance, digital inspection sent, moving emails, walking them through how to request maintenance, et cetera. Or is the majority of it in your lease agreement and adde- lease agreements and addenda? I feel like this is like my wheelhouse here. Tell us. So when I move people in, I am a way over communicator. I make sure they know exactly how much they have to pay. I make sure that they understand the terms and conditions on what our renter's insurance requires, how we need to be listed as additional interest. Um, I make sure that they know who to call to transfer their utilities. I make sure that they're aware of like meter numbers, phone numbers. Like I literally break it down. So they just have to do very minor things because going back to what David said, it's a disruptive time in their life when they're moving, whether it's a happy reason or a sad reason, it's a lot of hubbub to deal with. 
Um, so I try to eliminate as much as that as possible. Our um, Appfolio makes it super easy for people to, you know, submit their work order requests and things like that. We also have a full-time maintenance staff and emergency maintenance services. Um, so I like to make sure that they're aware that if you have a problem, like we have people at the company, it's not us calling a vendor always, sometimes you have to, um, but it's one focus coming and helping you with your problem. So I really just break it down a hundred percent. Um, I don't send the move in video to our tenants, um, but we do store that in YouTube channel. So if they request it, we make sure that we send it over at the end of their tenancy. We do a move out inspection. If they have questions about their security deposit disposition, um, we send them over the video so they can see like when you moved in, this is what it looked like. When you moved out, this is what it looked like. So, you know, and I'm transparent with people right from the get go. And I let them know when I go through because I'm responsible for a move in inspection video. I'm very critical. I look at everything. I look at the walls from top to bottom. I look at the ceilings. I open the cabinets. I open the appliances. I run the sinks. I run the showers. I flush the toilet. I do all of that because it's a protection for them. It's a protection for the owners. And I don't want someone responsible for something that they they didn't do. So I, I like to, it's kind of like an insurance. It's, it's the way that I bring them in. I'm like, listen, when you're with us, you're your family. And this is how we make sure that our family is treated the right way. Yeah, that, that's well stated. I, I don't have too much to add. Uh, the only thing I would add is that, you know, we'll, we would send them a copy of the, uh, the move-in inspection report, but we wouldn't send the photos. Um, we would, those are ours. And if we need to bring them out, if there's an issue with the security deposit refund, we'll have them. So the only thing I would add is we have a, um, you know, how to navigate your portal video that we send out that really shows them click by click what they can access on their portal. We want to make sure they know how to find the resources that have been made available. I think when somebody's moving in, they're getting a lot of information and trying to absorb it and either they aren't listening very well or they forget. And so I want to be able to say, hey, refer back here when you need it. We actually have started using QR codes um, putting them as a magnet on the fridge that links them directly to a resident handbook so that if they forget how to find it, they know how then. Um, and then we also do a final cleaning and a final mowing of every property before move-in, just so that really it meets the standards and that people are happy with that move-in experience. Don't get that perfect every time. So sometimes it fires back at us, but we try really hard to make sure that the property is at least in the same condition as when they viewed it, if not better with a freshly cut lawns, one less thing for them to have to worry about when they're first moving in. So just, I guess, a couple of additional things that I, that we do. Those are great. Love those. Love that QR code idea. I hope uh, everyone got a lot of great ideas. I know there was a lot of uh, really rich discussion. So thank you all three for being here. And that wraps up another episode of the Triple Win Property Management Podcast. Thank you for pressing play. We hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration. The Triple Win Property Management Podcast is proudly produced and distributed by Second Nature, where we believe in a triple win, building winning experiences for your residents, investors, and your teams with the only fully managed resident benefits package. Visit rbp.secondnature.com to learn more and talk to an RBP expert in your area. If you have any questions, comments, or want to weigh in on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Email triplewin at secondnature.com. That's triplewin at secondnature.com. Stay connected with us beyond the podcast. Visit our website at rbp.secondnature.com to stay updated with upcoming property management events and articles. And don't forget, you can keep the conversation going in the Triple Win Property Management Facebook group. It's exclusively for property managers. To receive even more valuable insights and updates, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link to that and much more in the show notes. On behalf of the Triple Win community, this is Laura Mack thanking you for tuning in. And on behalf of Second Nature, this is Carol Housel. Check back soon for another exciting episode. Until then, keep striving for that Triple Win.